Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Reveille, reveille, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Hey, it's hump day. It's Wednesday. Go hump something, but make sure you do it normally and consensually. Hi, everyone. It's Morning Combat. We're here to hump you, I guess. I don't even know. We might even hump each other. It's that kind of show. What's up? Uh, I'm, I'm merely one half of your hosting duo. I join you from the capital of Estados Unidos. It's Morning Combat. I'm Luke Thomas. And there is my uh, my partner in humping. It's Brian Campbell. Hi, Brian Campbell. Hey, Tui. Yeah, let's, let's, uh, let's, yeah, indeed. Hey, great to see Luke, you now attracting sponsors that can help uh, hide your search history from not just yes. your family, but the, the world at large. So very happy to, to welcome PIA on board. Yes. You know what? With that, I, I need something to help disguise my absolutely sick and twisted habits. So. Glad they're on board to help me do that. Uh, hi, everyone. Wednesday show for you today. We're going to play a little over-under. We're going to react to some of the news that's out there related to Connor, related to some Lauren Murphy, related to some Slap League. I think, by the way, BC, am I wrong? I believe episode two of Slap Dick League is tonight. Do I have that right? Oh, they're, they're having them back on TBS? That's, that's yeah, great. Yeah, it's not an automatic cancel. It wasn't the Discovery Channel uh, pulling the plug on the fighters after one episode, but... Um, it, I think it is tonight. I have to double check that. I'll double check. But anyway, we'll, we got some news about that we'll react to and a whole bunch more. So thumbs up on the video if you're watching. Please hit subscribe. Uh, let's see what else there. Good stuff. You can email the show, morningcombat at gmail.com as always. And uh, yeah, how about some Showtime? Showtime.com, 30-day free trials, right? You can like it. You can keep it. If not, you can go do something else with your life. That's the deal, right? But it's free, uh, 99 for at least a little while. So go check that out. Also... Want to remind folks, hey, Dan Hardy's going to join us February 8th, live in the UK. We're going to be in London, England at King's Place. You can get your tickets still. It's the last leg of tickets. That's where we're at. That's our update. It's the last yeah. leg, uh, basically. Right, BC? And say, so, I don't, look, we were, you were online fighting with some of our fans over, you know, are we going to announce a, uh, another big name as a guest? We're still, we're still in the process of locking all that down, but it's coming. And, you know, I don't, I don't know how people can be that disappointed. The outlaw Dan Hardy could headline this show alone. Luke can't wait to hang out with him, uh, talk some shop with him, other special guests to come, not just in the live show, but the whole couple day trip that we're going to be there. It's going to be a special time. For one time only, MK in the UK. I'm not sure they'll let me back over the pond after this. I might get Appleton, Luke, but uh, either way, it's going to be a fun one time. Get your tickets. Don't miss this, okay? You you know, you know live in one of those uh, places, right? Scotland, the Geordie Shore, uh, you know, Cardiff, Wales, and you're like, man, this is my show. 
This is the only time they're going to be there. How am I going to get there? Just get there. All right. Just get there. Just Thank get you. there. Just go. Just find a way. I wasn't arguing with all the fans. I was arguing with one fan who was like, the announcement for the UK was top three disappointing announcements in MK history. And I'm like, well, Jesus, I'd love to know what the other two were. <laughs> but more to the point, more to the point, it's like you, you have no idea what you're talking about. Like that you don't understand there might be value beyond just the London show. I get but maybe have a little bit of humility to recognize that like there are larger forces at play here uh, that I think could, it is this, depending on how things go, pay dividends to a lot of different folks. Please be serious. Come on now. Yeah. Good Lord. Just very are, annoying. Are, as Triple very G annoying. would say, are you serious? Are you serious right now, Max? Are you serious? <laughs> uh, all right, BC. I believe that's it for things off the break, right? So with that in mind... Let's get to our first topic. What else would it be? What else would it be other than the biggest star in MMA still somehow hasn't fought in forever and that's still that guy, Conor McGregor. So there was an incident about six months ago that we knew Conor was at least allegedly involved in, but then the person who was the victim in the case either recanted her story or changed it such that the police didn't go after Conor, but then she has, I guess... Uh, changed her story or depending on how you want to look at it um, now you're getting the honest version because the story is weird so MMA Mania was the one who first caught wind of this although they're not the original one to report it basically here's the allegation BC the allegations that McGregor and a woman who he had recognized um, from like home he was on some uh, yacht in the Ibiza area outside of Spain or in Spain anyway Spain waters and he, they initially interacted amicably. He invited her on to his yacht, whatever yacht he was on. And then at some point later, for reasons that remain unclear, he allegedly became violent. He is accused of kicking the woman in her stomach, punching her in the chin, and then threatening, I'm going to drown you. Who do you think you are? It's left off on the notes here, but it should be noted that also she jumped off the ship and was rescued, I believe, by the Red Cross or the Coast Guard. Some kind of, uh, you know, very important agency dealing with a very serious situation. That part to me is like, why did this person flee a yacht and then have to be rescued from the whole thing? It's all kind of weird. McGregor's lawyer issued a statement, BC, quote, Mr. McGregor is steadfast in his denial of all the accusations made by a guest on his boat. So that confirms, by the way, she was on the boat. And then Kavanaugh, uh, John Kavanaugh said to Ariel, apparently on Connor's return. We'll talk about that in just a second. BC... The details are not great. He was initially not part of it. Now it apparently appears to be he is back in contention for having committed this crime with both, I think, civil and criminal penalties, at least possible. Your reaction to this news? Yeah, look, I mean, obviously, first and foremost, you know, the, uh, unlike some of the other recent headlines we've seen in combat sports with people stepping outside of the boundaries of the of the law or good taste we don't have video to confirm this so you know i'm sure there will end up being some form of a trial where connor is innocent until proven guilty but my reaction in general is unfortunately you know i hate, hate to hate to bring humor into this but nate diaz uh, I, i'm not surprised mother effer because of the Way Conor McGregor has conducted himself publicly, particularly since the third Dustin Poirier fight in the summer of 2021, which was the last time we've seen him in his actual day job. Uh, you know, it, it's hard, Luke, especially someone of Conor's stature, of all the business connections he has. It's hard to say, OK, until you're actually ready to come back and fight again, just just stay away for a while. Just stay off social media. Just do your thing. You know what I mean? If you got to make a commercial, do that. If you got to speak somewhere publicly, do that. But outside of that, just stay away. And I say that because 
every time he's come up for air since then, it, it, it seemingly has it has led to conversations like this. Now, these accusations are much, much more damning and serious than him just putting out a video, just talking shit. But I'm just saying in general, it, it's like day by day of, of the amount of time that he's been away from the cage. The overall anticipation of his return mixed with how good I actually think he'll still potentially be mixed with, you know, any kind of confidence I have that his mind is where it should be overall, you know, is going in the other direction day by day. And, and you know, none of that stuff is actually related per se to this because these are serious allegations in his personal time. But I know a lot of people are getting sick of this every couple months where we do the whole, hey, man, so when do you think he's coming back? And against two, because when you start adding, you know, the allegations here and incidents like this, it continues to, to go down the poor taste side of it where, you know, I don't know where he's at, Luke, mentally or physically, aside from knowing that, you know, this has been a lengthy recovery from the very serious leg injury he had. And then that was probably delayed even further by some of those opportunities outside the cage, which included a starring role in the uh, Roadhouse remake of some form. But, you know, I don't know the facts in this case, but unfortunately, I'm not surprised that there's another sort of public scandal going against him because it seems to be the freewheeling life he lives you know outside of his day job and i i don't think of that life especially since coming to full-on prominence and stardom has helped matters in the cage in terms of staying prepared staying mentally focused and now we've got another situation he's got to deal with here luke i, I mean what are you wanting to say unfortunate at best right let me uh, read some additional details here bc uh, the woman says she escaped then did jump from the yacht to flee the attack she was, in fact, picked up picked up, excuse me, by a Red Cross boat. Per the report, she initially told rescuers that McGregor was her attacker and that lifeguards saw McGregor on the boat and identified him. When she later met with authorities, she told them that it wasn't McGregor who attacked her and that she didn't file a formal complaint at that time. Per the report, she said that she was in shock and only wearing a bikini while she spoke with authorities and that she prioritized leaving and going to her hotel to make plans to return home to Ireland. According to the report, she filed a formal complaint naming McGregor after she did, in fact, return to Dublin. Uh, BC, so let's go through this. There's this one. There's punching the old man in the dome, yes. right, in that bar. So that's two. So then there's, there's knocking the, the cell phone out of the guy's hand and stepping on it in Miami. There's three. Uh, there's chucking the dolly at the bus. That's four. How about the guy in Dublin who he played the knockout game with? You may not remember this, but he was accused of uh, knocking out some kind of gangster in an Irish bar, I think, about a year or two, maybe a little bit more than that ago. That'd be five incidents, not named this one. God knows what else. Right. Oh, how about jumping in the Bellator cage? That'd be six. Dude, I mean, <laughs> this is who he is. Now, yeah. I'm not saying he's I'm not saying he's uh, done what's been accused here. That remains to be seen. But in general, he's a guy. Oh, how about trying to fight Machine Gun Kelly on the red carpet? We can go back to that. Oh, I this forgot a, about that. Right. This is a guy well, who yes. believes he should be able to hit whoever he wants whenever he wants. And I think... There's a lot of people in the sport who agree that violence is some kind of adjudicator of dispute. These are largely, and uh, uh, not exclusively, but these are largely people with extremely uncivilized ideas that are not fit for the modern world. I don't know how else to put it. And you see, I'll just say, like, is 2023 the year where, like, MMA fighters became Ty Cobb? You know what I mean by that? Why Ty Cobb was an amazing baseball. I'm not not saying that. I'm, I'm asking the question. I'm not declaring it. But, like... Ty Cobb okay. was this guy who was a great baseball player who was kind of like a dirtbag in his real life. 
and also like in the game himself, like, you know, with certain kind of cleats he would wear and how he would slide, whatever. But he was like a hard nosed, you know, kind of guy. And obviously, look, there's Wonderboy Thompson's and there's a lot, you know, Matt Brown's an amazing guy, an amazing father. There's lots of them. It's actually the minority. They're very much the minority. But it's like, I don't know, like all of a sudden it seemed like in 2023, maybe this is a better way to put it. It seems like in 2023, the floodgates open with everyone discovering there's just lots of like either in in private life, people just doing outrageous shit in this industry. Yeah. And there's nothing no one's ever wants to do anything about it. Yeah, I mean, I think right now, any incident you're going to have is just going to be thrown right at the TV screen and see, like, see, MMA is, you know, a flaming shithole because of the continuation of a lot of things that are going on from, you know, for poor fighter treatment across the board. But as you mentioned, McGregor does have a history of this. And to be fair, I mean, combat sports in general, I mean, the NFL, I mean, look, there is a history of big name athletes getting a lot of money and making very, you know, poor and stupid decisions. Is it all bubbling over at the moment for MMA? I mean, I don't think this is necessarily related to those other things, but here's what's what's weird, Luke. I mean, this is consistent, this allegation of some of the behavior, as we mentioned, although we don't know the reality of this situation, but it's been 19 months since Conor fought. And then, you know, we're coming up on two years now. And, you know, there's been giant gaps before that, of course. Everything changed when he knocked out Eddie Alvarez, right? Like everything, that that's, that's the end of phase one of his career, and that was the beginning of phase two. But, Luke, it's weird, man. Every single day, I mentioned it, since then, I feel like people care less and less. Like I, I feel like the general consensus right now, even though I agree that McGregor back in any form against any opponent is a monster event, will take over the, the crossover headlines, will be a big deal. I don't think I've ever seen a, a, a time where people care less, though, in general about McGregor. And it's not just, hey, BC and Luke, wake up. We hate him in Ireland, in the UK, in mm. general. And that's, the, you know, the opinion across the board and you Americans are the last to realize it. Yeah, there's a little bit of that. But, I mean, look, there, there's not even the belief anymore. Even in the old school magic, you know, mystic, you know, the, the old school guys who will believe, and I was one of these at certain points, that McGregor, a focused McGregor can do anything, right? I mean, there's, I don't even think there's any of them left anymore. It's unfortunate it really is the second half of his career outside of the, the money he's been able to make and the stardom is, is largely unfortunate when you consider the missteps, the performances inside the cage, the constant things just like this outside of it. But I don't think this is necessarily in line with, hey, combat sports and MMA particular is a dirty ass puddle. I mean, we already knew that. But, dude, I, I think it's even bigger story on the whole about Connor himself. It's like, look, are we going to look back and, and, and really summarize his life in the public eye as as for a point the you know it's still to this day as you mentioned the most popular athlete in combat sports but for a for a season there on a pound for pound level on an accomplishment level you know one of the best runs we'd ever seen through 2015 and 16 dude there are legitimately two there's the, the before and after of this guy you know what i mean in terms of taking all the time off fighting mayweather getting all that money launching all these business ventures and really not just, it, it's almost Oscar De La Hoya-like in boxing. It's not apples to apples, but it's the idea that, like, this guy comes up with a, with a lot of noise behind him, wins all these big fights, does all these big things, but then that second half of that career is, is just hit or miss. You know, a lo, lo, lot of more missed opportunities than accomplished ones. I mean, we're not, that, that's not just a trend. We're there. Um, you, do you care about that at all, Luke? I mean, here is a guy who... You know, he was always fighting the battle of people, you know, thinking he's overrated. And once he finally meets this type of opponent, we'll find out. Once he made all that money, everything changed. And that's the facts on, on, on looking on his career and his arc. It's true. 
It's true. I, for me, I just think of it a little bit differently. Now, there are times when he, I mean, let's be real, like when he was making his, to your point, like maybe maybe the most incredible run in MMA in terms of just going from zero to 60, right? Like who made the fastest, most incredible meteoric rise? Conor McGregor has a claim to that, if not like very clearly is that guy. But by virtue of how far he went and how fast he did it, culminating with the Eddie Alvarez win at UFC 205. But BC, even though he was antagonizing a lot of people, even though he was pissing off a lot of people at that time based on his antics, dude, there was some, there was buzz about it. There was like, honestly, in retrospect, wouldn't you say that through the Alvarez fight, especially remember he showed up to the press conference with that big coat and like suck my big Irish balls and all this, it was kind of fun. It was kind of like, it was a party. It was a roving party that just kind of never stopped. And some people were invited to the party and some people weren't, but it was a party, man. It was crazy. Like, what about everything that's going on now is fun? Now, obviously, his injury is not fun, and there's nothing he can do about that other than rehab and in the sort of quiet way that he has. Like, there's some of this is just very much out of his control in that way. But with this kind of stuff, where these headlines are happening the way that they're happening, and then the absence on top of it, like, who in the McGregor orbit, fan or otherwise, is having fun with any of this? It just seems like it's everything that made what what, what was magical, everything that was a component there none of those are in play now of course he's still not out of the running for some kind of potential comeback or you and i have been on the record as saying we probably think he has one more big win left in him bc i might start questioning that i mean that's a yeah. little early to do that but i'm just saying <laughs> no, like, i agree just, just thinking about it like i don't know i don't really know what this dude's future has never been this uncertain and dude you can go back in either in stuff i've said on the air in different podcasts or conversations i've had with other media members i've always been that guy it's like no no man he could he can pull it back. If anybody can pull it back together, it's this guy. You know, count him out at your own peril. You know, I picked him to be Habib as laughable in hindsight as that now feels, even though, let's be fair, he did seem to have a better performance than a lot of his contemporaries against Habib, although still got dominated and lost. But yeah, Luke, I'm even at that point now where it's like I have almost zero confidence that when he comes back, anything can, good can happen outside of him being matched in another cowboy-like comeback, which... You know, I guess we should have some level of that discussion regarding the comeback because look, if I asked you when he hurt his le- when he broke his leg against Poirier and he, you know, sat in the cage still making fun of Poirier's wife, Joe Rogan squatting down, I mean, it was a moment for for good and bad reasons, mostly bad. You never would have guessed that 19 months later we haven't made much progress, right? Outside of his, you know, recovery, which is important, but like, dude, like it's not even like like we're not we didn't even start the new year talking about. Well, hey guys, you know this could be a big year because Connor will be back probably in name that month, dude. We don't that that's not even a conversation. So you know what the hell is going on, Luke? Is there is there a, a dog left in him? You know, part of a big part of what made the magic and that incredible run so special was not just the outrageous self belief, but like he had a focus, a goal, a plan. Always, you know, like there was there was Muhammad Ali comparisons at certain points just on the ability to like pick out. A, a task and go accomplish it against all, you know, that, that, that guy's not in there anymore. So who is in there, Luke? Um, if these allegations are true, it's certainly a damaged privileged person who's, who's consistently got a lot to sweep up in his personal life. Uh, don't know if it's true in this case, they'll have to hold judgment to a certain degree, but like, what is like, how different in your eyes is the man, the fighter, the the person that has to get up and train, you know, from where he was, before the Eddie Alvarez fight, because well, it's changed a the, lot. He's had well, moments, he's had little sparks and moments since that point, but nothing sustained, dude. I don't know if that guy's in there anymore in any form, Luke. Yeah, you know, the, the, I mean, there's sort of two things. It's like once you get 
like past 30. I've said this with John Jones. Like once you, I forgive a lot up to the age of 30 ish. Once you get past 30 and you're still doing like, again, allegedly, allegedly, uh, you know, criminal acts like this. I mean, you know, not that I would forgive it in his twenties, but like, I've just seen a lot of guys who are just disasters in their twenties, figure it out in their thirties, like sort of waiting for them to get right is a thing that does happen. And I've, I've witnessed it. Um, you know, I don't, I don't really know. Now, again, I want to say this in his defense, not related to this particular incident, but more broadly at the, the, the stage in which he finds himself in his career, he took some additional time to probably heal better as well as whatever he has to do to get back into the USADA testing pool and clear out his system or whatever has to go into that. Plus this movie and blah, blah, blah. Also, I've seen training footage BC of his rehab and whatnot. It's pretty serious rehab. Like it's not. It's not BS rehab. It's very sport specific. It's very functional specific. It's very related to sport performance. And it does appear like he's put in a tremendous amount of work into it. So like, again, you know, does he have a one more big win left in him? I guess we will see. I don't really know the answer, but I wouldn't write him off. But I think to the point you raise, like, it just feels like everything we understood him to be has been or was just a function of that moment in time not actually an enduring characteristic of like the kind of guy that he can be or as a as an athlete anyway like those things seem to be very much locked into that moment in time and it's when you combine it with the whatever the hell is happening outside of the cage it's not really disconcerting here's the other part too bc we haven't even really talked about it like and you know we knew before dana white got into his issues that nothing was going to happen to Connor, especially since this is all alleged and there's no, there's no criminal act associated right. with it. But like BC, he could be charged today. And we both know you <laughs> ain't going to do a thing no. about it. Nothing. No, there's precedent there. You want precedent? There's precedence there. Whatever. Is it precedent or dense, Luke? What am I doing here? Grammar. Uh, prece- well, the, it would, no, the singular would be precedent. And so precedence would be like with, a, with an S on the end would be many of them. Uh, I don't know if precedence is. A, I have to double check if that's a word. Yeah, precedence of America. Yeah, the po. That was a pos band. The the po. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? You know the Peaches band. They suck. It's lump. It's lump. Anytime She's I hear people head. talk '90s rock and they're like, "Man, I love the presidents," I'm like, "End. We're done. That's the end of this conversation. That's the the wall I won't climb along with you." Um. Yeah, Luke. Uh, I I don't even know where we were right there. Oh, precedence. Yeah, there's no nothing's going to happen to him. That that's the precedence that Dana Zero. has handed down. And look, you can argue, Luke, to a certain level in general. Like, you know, that's a decision, but it's it's a decision to let the legal system in general deal with it. Which is again why we went so hard against Dana for having, you know, to, for being able to just step personally aside from that process. You know what I mean? Like, like there's no oversight. But in general, look, if that's the way that the the company consistently wants to go. I don't think that's the safe and smartest way. I don't think, you know, somebody like John Jones can just continually, you know, cr- cross up the law and, and, and it's just sort of like, fine. You know what I mean? Same thing with Connor and the Dolly incident. And obviously, Luke, in general, same thing with anybody. Whether we're talking about Gervonta Davis headlining Showtime pay-per-view cards. Sure. Um, you know, it, it gets to a certain level where you do have to say, like, are we enabling this activity? Now, this incident is for Connor is, you know, separate from the others, but it is a, a continuation. So, no, nothing's going to happen, Luke, to him. And uh, um, I enjoy, <laughs> dude, I can't believe nothing happened off the Dolly thing. I, I, why do I feel like I'm the only person in MMA who thinks that's wild and thinks it was a, you know what I mean? Like, dude, he 
It's not even like he attacked a guy only to play up a big fight, which it worked out perfectly for UFC. But it's like he actually attacked co-workers. You know what I mean? Like it actually yes. like it, it's it's just and, and, and UFC just, personnel as well. Yeah, and actually took people out of fights, took Ray Borg out of that fight, and and you know, and Kiesa, as we said, just settled his lawsuit in December for that as well. And you know, Rose almost not jumped out of that fight. I mean, it almost, so it almost every took- time there's been a test that, like, from an ethical standpoint, like the industry could have passed, it it doesn't, it doesn't pass. Yeah, yeah. It, no, you're it, right. That's the one thing you keep coming back to. It it just without the law compelling actors in the space to do it. It just continuously fails these tests over and over and over again. All, um, right. all right. So now the inevitable, Luke. You want to read his, the comments from John Kavanaugh talking to Ariel about I don't have much to say company. about it. I'm not going to read the whole thing, BC. I, I want to move the show along. But basically, if you have a reaction, love to hear it. He says he is very, very confident. Quote, very, very confident. We'll see Connor back in the octagon this year. Doesn't say against who. Doesn't say exactly when. But just that things are in motion. Yay. All right. I have two quick questions for you on that. One. The demeanor and what he's selling when he does come back. Why I ask that is against Cowboy, there was a refreshing level of not only, oh, wow, Connor seems to really be taking this comeback seriously. And I think in hindsight, Luke, we were robbed with COVID and everything going on where he fought Cowboy was supposed to be fighting three times that year and it just never happened. Right. But when he came back, dude, he was so complimentary. He was humble. It was almost like. Wow, whether calculated or not, this is like a babyface turn that may... Yeah, but that's because he was welcomed back by the industry, in a sense, even though he had those rape allegations that yes. were made, or sexual assault, I should say, whatever it was. Now, uh, the since time. then, it's been almost exclusively negative, including the way he, you know, was rabid against Poirier in both fights. And, How do you... and he got sued by his longtime stablemate, uh, Artem Lobov. Yes. Like, there's lots of things that have crumbled. I think he'll come back uh, probably closer to the third Poirier fight much less so the cowboy fight probably a little bit of a mix between them because there are, of course Connor is very famous he is very well liked by a portion of the fan base so you'll see some of that but I expect it to be he's he's like antagonistic on social media a lot these days and I think it'll go in that direction is he still in a position where versus anyone dude I'm talking like Diego Sanchez versus anyone it's a million pay-per-view buys at this point still Not in his return. Not in his return. I could see a dynamic return setting up something, you know. Um, I think he's got one no questions asked return left where everyone comes out for it. Uh, So I'm almost inverted on your analysis, but I think the performance, he's got to deliver to keep this train going. I think that's about right. I think that's about right. Uh, And also, I don't think he's got much interest in fighting much longer anyway. Right. All right. Final final question here. I want to know, Luke. Who who you want? Who's the, who? What opponent right now today makes the most sense if they announce this for you know June there's, or July? There's no there's not a lot of week. yeah. Okay, fair enough. There's not a lot of wrong answers. I, I, I'm not. There's a lot of people who love to play the matchmaking game and for all the nuances. I've never really been that guy. Obviously, the name that they've attached to him is Michael Chandler. I think that's a great fight. I think it tells you a lot about both guys. You know Michael Chandler's weaknesses and strengths at this point. Um, can Connor take advantage of them or not? And it'll be action packed the whole time. It'll be meaningful in all likelihood. And, uh, you won't get some of the overall ugliness that you'd get with like another fight with Poirier, for example, it'll be somewhat toned down from there. You might even get vintage Connor in terms of the press conference. So yeah, I'm, I'm fine with that. All right. I, I think, I think it's better for the promotion to try to make him that baby face version again, try to make people want to cheer for the comeback want like want to see him despite everything he's been through and done to himself 
turn it around. So I think there's one opponent that produces that, Luke. You got you to gotta find a villain. I think that villain is Patty Pimblet here. I think that's the fight. Oh, I think it does just as here. good. Come on. I think it does just as good as any of your other creations. It gives Connor, in theory, a, a better chance to win. And I think he comes in as the guy people are cheering for, especially after Pimblet's performance last time. I have that's less how than you book zero the territory. That. Yeah, no, that's no. how you do it. That's how you, you know what I mean? Put me in the chair. I'm, you know what I'm saying? Put me in the damn, yeah, give no, me the pencil. Give me I'm the good. book. Of all the names you could have picked, that was, I mean, I, the, no, I'm just not interested in that. Not. Uh, all right. Let's go with something I'm also not interested in, but we're going to talk about it just the same. Topic number two, how about Power Slap? There is a little bit more in the news. I'll double check to see if there's another up today, whatever it is. We have two pieces of information I want to share with you. BC, I'm going to go in separate order from what we have in the rundown. I'd like to show you mine first. So I follow Eric Spicely on Twitter. He's a UFC veteran. He actually has a win over Tiago Santos, uh, if you can believe it, back in the day. Uh, hasn't really fought in UFC in some time, and I'm not even sure if he's fought in MMA in some time. But he tweeted something kind of interesting that he was contacted basically by the Power Slap League to see if he wanted to participate. And uh, someone, he was like, you'd be shocked about how much it pays. And then what he said was first fight was 2K, 2K. So I shot him a DM and I'm like, are you sure this was Dana White's Power League, Power Slap League? And it was. He showed me some evidence from some text messages that he had received from the people who were booking the show. And I got to take a look at him. Sure enough, it was them. Now, he later cl uh, clarified to Stephen Morocco of, of MMA Fighting that that was for just that bout. Like, I guess I guess the show would be booked for three. So the pay would somehow, for a full day of all of the fights, come out to something around give or take 10K. Something like that. But for the first one, two and two. BC, your reaction to the pay scale. I mean, it's... <laughs> And here's two words for you, Luke. Fucking ridiculous. And, and it's like, <laughs> not that I think, you know, these athletes should be paid a ton for what this is, which is just barbaric comedy, but it's not funny at the end of the day. Like, it's it's absurd and it's stupid. Um, and it's just violence for the sake of it. But, you know, because it's just violence for the sake of it and you can't even bring defense into it, um, yeah, I almost feel like they should be paid more, but then... You, you know, a lot more, right? But then UFC's got a problem. What are you going to over, you know, overpay your power slappers in comparison to your actual fighters that you're underpaying? Look, here's the greatest, here's the best way I can say this of, of what a, of what a hypocritical decision this was to put, to try to put this out as UFC owners and three, and like we mentioned, using the UFC promotional vehicle to do that uh, is this is the equivalent of if UFC was, so vocal about women's rights, let's say, you know, because to be fair, you know, they, they capitalized on what was going on in strike force with Carano and cyborg and Rousey and, and built a women's division around that. And it, you know, you look back and you go good on UFC, right? Like there's been some, some good, but imagine if they were like big proponents of, of women's rights and all of that. And, and, you know, actively did that. And then they also, instead of power slap launched like their own porn, company you know what i mean like it just you know and just like and just in in the rumors were that you know that they're getting into the sex trade and that things aren't looking good that's that's the that's the exact same message that that i feel like this whole thing sends to the fighters and you know all this we do all these things to protect their safety but you know in our other vehicle we're going to promote this absolute bullshit like it just disgusts me i'm i'm sh i'm shocked that this is going to go to a second episode i really am I like, could you have a more toxic product at the moment? And mm. it's for every possible reason. Obviously, the Dana White New Year's Eve thing takes it to a new level. But 
I don't, you know, I love that, like I said, I love that more fighters are actually tweeting about this, a couple of them that they're just like, what the hell? You know, this isn't a sport. What the hell are we doing here? But, like, this is the true character of Dana White, of the Fertitas who back this financially, and maybe even, you know, RE and Endeavor. You know what I mean? Like, this is the character that they're showing by being affiliated with this. So what do I find out? What do I think when I see on top of that? Oh, yeah, we're offering two and two. Um for you to take. I mean, look, look, look. Did you see that video I tweeted out from Chris Norinsky, if I said his last name correctly, um, the former WWE wrestler who now, you know, heads up all that research for brain health. You know, like he's telling you in in the highlights from the first episode, that right there, you see the way that guy fell right there? Like that's permanent brain damage right there. You know what I mean? And like, so two, two and two? Yeah, seems about right, UFC, right? Seems about right, Dana. That's how you do it. That's how, that's how you do things. That's how you do things. It's been monstrously successful. But that's how you do things. And I feel like finally, not as the not only is the curtain being pulled back, and sometimes it's only being pulled back because of like the John S. Nashes and the people that, you know, the guy from MMA, you know, MMA analytics there who's just going ham on a lot of these inside things. Some of us that were smarter already knew a lot of this stuff, but to see it all just kind of be unearthed at the same time. And then you have this giant, you know, uh, thing that we're all worshiping here, this this power slap league that you're putting out there. It's like they are telling you exactly who the fuck they are and they're grimy and gross as shit. So 2000 and 2000 to win. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised at all. And uh, man, yeah, I mean, listen, listen, they were never the whole sec. They were never going to they were never going. Think about the vehicle that they're using here. Right. It's a television show. You need to be able to make affordable TV. Like for folks who may not know, I mean, everyone knows this, but like we, BC and I have worked at the fringes of TV. We've had a little bit of TV work. And here's one thing BC and I can definitely tell you, even just being on the, you know, like the, the, the small TV gigs that we've had over the years. Uh, although your showbox gig is quite nice, BC. But you know what I'm about to say is true. Uh, yeah, listen, budgets can dictate a lot, but there are going to be people, especially around reality programming, they're going to want to make that programming as cheap as they can. Right. That's a, that's a big sell to the network. A big sell to the network is how much is it going to cost for me to make eight episodes of this? How much is the actual budget? They were never going to do slap fighting because it was expensive. They're going to do it because it's cheap. It's affordable TV. It's easy to get these guys to sign because probably 2K for slapping or 4K if you win or whatever it ends up being. For the actual slapping side of it, I have no idea what the industry pays. I'm going to guess that that's reasonably competitive with it. And by the way, for people who compete on reality TV, uh, 2k or 10k for a day, you know, is not necessarily uh, a small sum either, but this is the point brain damage. Shouldn't be this cheap. Shouldn't be this cheap. Now, of course on the regional scene or for up and coming boxing, there's really nothing you can do, but when you're around people that actually do have money, people who do have money should not be able to buy brain damage for cheap. It should be expensive, right? That that's, that to me seems like a real basic way to examine whether or not there's something that you're looking at is ethical is like are rich people paying for this at what it should be or at some bargain basement version of it and if it's a bargain basement version of it and you can see there's obviously brain damage associated with it when it doesn't need to be that's that's the only red flag that you really need this is very very cheap brain damage that they can sell to networks as an overall cheap experience and that was partly the reason why bc it may not be canceled right away because it probably was not very expensive to produce. They're not paying these guys a lot. Dude, half the stuff, whatever, is at the UFC Apex. They don't have to pay for any of that. It's so, cheap to produce. It's cheap. So, look, so all they have it, to do is sell ads against it. 
and they might be able to make their money back on. Yeah, this. look, I don't expect them. It's like not only do, my, do not only you know I'm not surprised Mother Effort at at how low it was based on what we already know. But yeah, to your point on budgets, you couldn't expect it. It's like this is. It's like, man, I hope, you know, I hope someone I love doesn't get into the adult film industry, Luke. But if they do, I hope they make a ton of money. And maybe there is the money to, to pay out in there. And this power slap bullshit, there's not. But um, the thing that gets me the, the most upset about the news that you shared there on Twitter, and it was one of the things when this thing was first launched, we were like, oh, man, please don't tell me that this is going to be, you know, UFC's way of looking at the combat sports market, seeing the success that some UFC veterans when their time is up physically have outside of it, whether it's BKFC for a big paycheck or boxing Jake Paul and thinking, oh, well, I could I could jump in that market, too. I remember saying it when this was first conceived. If, if this ends up being Diego Sanchez and, you know, insert any other name showing up at the power slap league, because that's just where the biggest, you know, the next payday at the moment is here in retirement. Um, I'm going to throw up in my mouth and, you know, and, and, and smear all over the screen here, Luke, uh, on the TV, because are you telling me that they went out of there? They're now recruiting Spice Lee and ex UFC fighters. Uh, by the way, who had noteworthy uh, brain trauma issues following the end of his MMA career, or certainly the end of his UFC run. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, dude, this like, is where it, it goes it wasn't too even far. A guy, it wasn't even a guy who had like, you know, not much damage issues. He had like no, like documented damage issues. And it's hard, dude, I'm going to be honest. It's hard to take a big soapbox thing here in general when we all are combat sports fanatic maniacs. We make a living off it. We make a great living, all that stuff. And I get, you know, the difference is defense and the difference is, there's a lot of differences, right? But even that generic, like, well, you guys are in this sport that that's, as we talk about, it's hard to deal with on a regular basis too. The, the risks and the damage. This is a sport in which it's, it's it's enhanced by the by the millions of the of the expected damage that you're going to take. And now they're recruiting their ex fighters who may bring in some level of name value or toughness. Right. To, to do the same thing. Uh, Luke, if it gets to this point where we're actually seeing ex UFC fighters show up on the show and you're an active UFC fighter and you're not willing to go, okay, maybe this is finally the last straw in terms of us interlocking arms. We don't need Bjorn Rebney necessarily, but we may need to take a stand in terms of our overall treatment together. Again, not the media's job, but I feel like the media is the only one that's talking about it because we're all just grossed out, Luke. But, I mean, is that the level? You know what I mean? Is that what, If you start seeing, like, Mark Coleman coming out of retirement and getting in the slap league game, Luke, is that where the fighters should be showing up outside the apex with pickets, signs, and, and trying to be like, like, look, enough is enough here. Yeah, or more just realize like what you might be looking at your future too that's what i mean just think about how like if just think about that if you're actually trying to recruit previous fighters who may not have competed in a while or whatever i'm sure they would say yeah they don't have they don't want the opportunity they don't take it but what you're really trying to do is get them for you know a modest amount of money that they might need when one never knows so they're not making an economically you know impartial decision they're making one that could be a little bit more based out of necessity. And then the whole idea is doing what you did for Shogun, feeding him to somebody new. In this case, feeding him to power slappers who might have some kind of structural advantage or just, you know, from an industry standpoint, have done this more. They're going to be better at it. That seems to be a reasonable conclusion. And now you can say, oh, you got beat a UFC fighter on uh, on your resume, right? It's like refeeding them to, to, to get the other population then spruced up and, and looked better it's, it's soil and uh, green luke it's soil yeah, and green it's a gross business hold on we have one more piece people. I want to luke oh. it's made out of people spoiler yeah. alert great movie right soil and green all that's right, all what right. that's what uh, this is becoming okay so we have one more piece here i didn't pull this i'm not sure what it is but i know john morgan of sports illustrated previously mma junkie 
spoke to Frank. I believe his name is Lamicella, who is the it's actually a Zufa attorney that they just randomly turned into the head of Power Slap. He had an interview with him. Let's let me hear some of this. We'll react to it. Well, I think, you know, that that is this a sport uh, conversation online has goes on with everything. Right. Is bowling a sport? Is pool a sport? Is this a sport? At the end of the day, you have two athletes competing. Right. They, you talk to them. They absolutely feel like it's a sport. No, you don't. They absolutely feel like they are training and working hard. And you'll start seeing that in the episodes with the coaches, right, where they actually train technique, work out in the gym. Um, so, listen, I, I think I think what you saw in episode one was just the surface. And what you'll con- what you'll continue to see is even more improvement in these athletes and more improvement over, you know, the way the matches are run um, on the no defense. I mean. There's no evasive defense. If your definition of defense is only evasion, then that's obviously got some element of truth to it. Uh, or or blocking. However, again, talking to these guys, there is definitely defense. There is training the head, neck, shoulder muscles, and our sports science and sports data that we put out will start to support that. Um, learning how tense to make the muscles, how tense to clench the jaw, all of that matters. Learning to roll with the slap, but not committing a flinching foul. So there's really a lot of time, you know, how, how, when do you close your eyes? You know, do you leave your eyes open the whole time? Do you, you know, so there, there are elements. And then on the, on the striker side, you know, again, back to the health and safety point, part of the rules were built to limit force where we can, right? So they have feet have to stay grounded. There's no stepping or pivoting. Watch a boxer. Everything is thrown with a pivot, right? Um, there's no, okay. I mean, I've seen enough of this. We can, we can call it there. Um, this is BC. We are at the point now where we've got someone who went to law school, right? Like, this is not a person who ever engaged in these behaviors once. Like, I, I have a feeling that attorney Frank Lamicella, uh, you know, didn't have a lifelong passion for slapping. He was just hired by Zufa and then forced into this role, and he has to pretend that all of this is real. And now we're at the point now, by the way, which, you know, tells you you have every right to be cynical about anyone in power's motives. But just to put a bow on the whole thing, BC. We're at the point now where we're like, should you close your eyes or not? And this is supposed to be constitutive of effective and important defense. Get the fuck out of here, Frank. Dude, what are you talking about? You know how every time a fighter in in a combat sports gets, uh, hears some harsh analysis against them from a pundit like us who don't have pro or amateur fights. And, you know, the knee jerk reaction is. Okay, you know, but you don't know. And, and to a certain degree, there's only some things we, we we do and don't know because of that. I fully agree. You've done actual training in some degree. I've done minuscule boxing training, but enough to get a taste of it. But no, I don't know the day to day. I usually think that's a bullshit take. In Power Slap, though, if you want to look at that guy's video and say, you know... I can't listen to that guy until I see him take one of those power slaps. It's like, I I feel like that should be a prerequisite. If you're going to make money off of this, Luke, you should at least go in there and have to have it done to you. And then we'll see if you want to, if you want to continue down here describing as a sport. Luke, I thought John Morgan was with MMA Underground. Is that linked with uh, Sports Illustrated? Yes, yes. They're connected. So a lot of his work, I I say Sports Illustrated, I'm not sure who he gets credentialed through. Um, but yes, he's with the UG slash sports illustration because they have a partnership. They have a John did that interview and, and I think our producers uh, edited out the question. Uh, I don't know John's take on this, but he did offer it up as like, Hey, some would say that this isn't a sport because there's no defense. You know, what is your thoughts on that? I don't know where John stands on that, but have we had a media member that has been like, you know, power slap's not that bad guys. Like you should probably check it out. Has it happened yet? Or is it just I been think, the- you know what? I think there were a couple before Dana White had his controversy. Yeah. That were like, okay, I'm gonna. I saw. I definitely saw 
you know what? Which is fine. I understand this. If this is your view pre Dana White's incident, I get it, which was, you know what? I'm not going to judge a book by its cover. I'm at least going to go see what it's about and then I'll make a decision. Okay. I can, that's, that, that's, that, I, that's hard to get mad at someone for that. I mean, that's just doing due diligence to me. It's a little bit, you know, slightly gullible, but fine. I wouldn't die on that hill. But then after Dana White had his thing, I just saw people being like kind of repulsed by the whole thing. Um, I can't which see is why not exactly the same as having like a principled stance against power slap, more just being kind of grossed, but you get the idea. There it is. Hey, enough right. of this slap dick business. Let's get out of here. All right, BC, stuff. let's talk about some fight news. Actually, let's talk about some good news because we got some here. All right. How about this? BC, we have the tweet for this. This one was announced, or at least I think reported anyway. How about old Song Yadong taking on Ricky Simone? Now, this one at Bantamweight just yeah. looks incredible. Ricky Simone. By the way, BC, has anyone ever made a joke about Yadong and like using it as the words your dong? Because I've never seen that before. I was you just trying to I get mean? through your pronunciation of Simone, Luke. Where are we going with this? Simone Chillo? Like, what do we got here? That's how you I pronounce it if they're if they're. I thought Hispanic. it was Simone. Ricky Simone, right? It's, yeah, Simone. Simone, yeah. Oh, Simone. Okay. Well, I guess it would depend on where the accent is over the eye. It doesn't matter. Ricky Simone, Simone, whatever. Uh, BC, he makes a Yadong joke because everyone does. But nevertheless, as a fight, woo, fun, fun action oh, great fight, fight, is it not? Great fight, great fight. I, I, and I love it, too, because uh, Ricky Simone has been turning that corner to a certain degree of, of of showing us that when he puts it all together, when he matures and grows from some of the setbacks, man, this guy could be a player in this division, and this would be the kind of fight that, that he'd have to prove that to 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 certainly make that leap into the upper core of contention of of contention contendership overall. But uh, dude, us uh, Yadong's still so young that I think we're all pretty confident he's going to be very very good. Will he be great though, Luke? I don't know. You got to win fights like this to do it. So you're going to see action, but man, you're going to see two hungry guys having to you know prove it all night, Luke. Let's do this thing. And then dude, Simone has also like both guys have really gotten better. But Simone, to me, has really come a long way. He's really kind of just tightened up everything. And, you know, he still has a long way to go. He's far from a finished product. But I've been really impressed with how clean everything is starting to look with his game. Uh, Once he got a haircut, friends don't let friends get haircuts. Luke, it turned out good for him, though. Exactly. Cut off that mullet. That thing was a waste of time. All right. How about this one? This is fun. Dan Hooker versus Jalen Turner. UFC 285, March 4th. This will be... Obviously, in Australia, in Perth, BC. Listen to this from Jalen Turner. He has fought Callan Potter, Australian. Joshua Kulabau, I believe Australian. He might be New Zealand, but one of the two, right? Then he fought Jamie Malarkey, Australian. Brad Riddell, Kiwi. He's fighting yet another Kiwi uh, here again between between Australia and New Zealand. I think Jalen Turner's trying to fight all y'all. I don't yeah, know. He might yeah. be. I was going to call him the executioner, as lame as that was, Ooh. until you mentioned all the Kiwi slangs on top of that, Luke. But uh, yeah, that just turned out that way. But man, I like this fight a lot too. Uh, did did Oscar Willis break this news, Luke? I know he does that drinking pod with with Dan Hooker. He did, I believe. Yes. Yeah, I want to give Oscar Willis some respect there as a man for you know doing living his life as recklessly as he does, Luke. That man, that man's tough, you know. At the end of the day, but uh, do you think Hooker is going to turn that corner, Luke? Is going to uh, come back and be a I, title contender. Well, here's the thing. Remember, Hooker and Riddell, teammates. Teammates. Yeah. So it's trying to avenge a teammate there as well. Hooker, obviously, much... Well, I would say Riddell was striking base, but he just didn't look like himself. I think Hooker has looked, despite all of the damage, he still looked pretty fresh-ish, I think is a fair way to put it. 
Um, so I'm expecting a tough fight, but man, Turner just looks like, dude, he uses his range so well. He's quick. He's athletic. He has just you know, dynamite finishing ability. I mean, I don't know, dude. That's a tough fight for Dan Hooker. That's Do you think he named fight. his spider, Luke? I don't know. I had a friend who had a spider once. They're fucking weird. All right. Makwan yeah, Amir Khani. Yeah, so did Khani. Buzz from Home Alone, Luke. That guy was a dirt hole. Yeah, he was. All right, Makwan Amir Khani taking on Jack Shore. This will be a UFC 286 in London. BC, Jack Shore shouldn't... Re- he had that one loss, I think, recently that kind of derailed him a little bit. But other than that, I, I just think he's got a higher upside than Amir Khani. Yes. Um, but could be a fun one. Do you think there's... there's Was there a lot of buzz when Jack Shore came to the UFC that, that there's a future title yes. contender here? Yes, there was, yes. And I think, right. by the way, it'd be foolish to write him off, but... Um, some learning lessons along the way, I think is what yeah. I, the way I'd put it. Uh, this is a fun one. This is a really fun one. This will be a UFC 287 April 8th. Kelvin Gasolum was going to take on Chris Curtis. Chris Curtis, you know, didn't look so great against Jack Hermanson, but rebounded beautifully. I think has really ca- recaptured the fans' enthusiasm. He can box his ass off. And Kelvin Gasolum, man, he can box too, but is in need of a win but these two are kind of, if you think about it for a second, BC, they're well-matched. Both guys can really damage the other one here. This one could be fun. Yeah, you're going to see action in that one, too. And I think it's, I mean, would you say that's a better matchup for Gastelum, who is you know, in dire need of getting a win here and turning things around, than maybe the uh, Nastardine-Imavov one would have been, Luke? Yes, I do think. Not to say that Curtis is some step over, no, but stylistically, yes. I think that he'll just put himself in a place that Gastelum is like, okay, I'm happy to fight on these terms. Whereas Imavov, I don't think would have been as consistently good about that. That kind of. Thing. I don't want to see Gastelum have a Johnny Hendricks like exit, Luke. I want to see him. I want. I, I still believe. Okay. Yeah, but if he can't, I mean, here's the thing. BC to the point we're making. Like Chris Curtis is going to meet him in the middle, and he's going to be happy oh, yeah. to box with him. Oh right? yeah. You can't beat that guy. I'm not saying Chris Curtis is easy to beat, but you you can't beat a guy who's supposed to be roughly at your level who is willing to fight you in the very way that you like to fight, that spells trouble, right? It's not, it's not Jack Hermanson trying to take him down and then going for a leg lock or whatever, but um, in any case. All right, how about this one? This is, BC, I wrote, I think I wrote him off on like the end of the year thing because I was like, we haven't seen him forever. It's going to be it, but he's back. Sage Northcutt is going to take on Ahmed, and if I'm mispronouncing it, please forgive me, Mujtaba, I think is how you pronounce it. I'm not sure. It's spelled M-U-J-T-A-B-A. This will be at one fight night 10, Cinco de Mayo, May 5th. BC Sage Northcutt is back. He was the victim against Cosmo Alashandri of epically poor matchmaking on the part of one. And I want to say something too. Mikey Musumeci's last grappling contest against the, I think he's either, I think he's Mongolian or something like that. He was a decorated, decorated combat Sambo guy. In fact, he was the reigning world champion in combat Sambo. But those guys against the very, very best Nogi grapplers in the world, they're going to be outmatched. And he tore his MCL, PCL, ACL, and meniscus. He might never make a full recovery. They booked a squash match, and that's kind of what happens when you do that. They booked a squash match in the case of Sage Northcutt. It took four fucking years for this guy to Damn. get back here. But here he is. I, I kind of hope he wins, to be honest with oh, you. Oh, me too. Me too. I, I do. I, I'll be talking to him later today, Luke, so I really look forward oh, nice. to picking Okay, his- great picking his brain and seeing exactly where he's at because, you know, I'm sure there were multiple times that he thought that was it too. We thought that was pretty much it. Here is a guy, Luke, who, you know, seems to have a bright future in, in certain areas if he wants to go after. I mean, look, that guy could model. T- couldn't he be a fitness model tomorrow, Luke, or is he already? Yes. No, he, I think he already, ha- I, know, I know he has like a pretty great supplement deal with Redcon supplements, um, which is like a, 
pretty big name in the industry. They also rep Brian Shaw, four-time World's Strongest Man. I mean, he's um, like an influencer in a way, Luke, okay? Yes. You know, in some form. Yes. He's still, but, uh, I'll say this. He kept himself in good shape. He never got out of well, shape. Um, let me say this. Um, you know, we forget in a way that he was, you know, a part of that that big announcement when when uh, Demetrius Johnson and Eddie Alvarez came over to one. It was like, okay, they're grabbing legitimate names from the UFC, you know, with, with certain levels left in the tank. Um, th- I still want to see him fulfill that, even from a standpoint of just consistency, just showing up, whether it's win or lose, Luke. And I don't think he'll hang around if it is, you know, lose-lose. But I do think that, you know, I'd, I'd like to see just for his own right, he's so young still. I want to see him play out the string on his own terms and find out if he can get to a certain level of success or if, you know, a combination of bad luck and it just didn't pan out or the other extreme of, you know, did the UFC get him too early when he was, you know, yet to yet to be fully refined in certain key categories. That's probably true as well. But uh, this is, if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, May 5th, Luke, that's the first one fight card on U.S. soil in Broomfield, Colorado, featuring Correct. the Demetrius Johnson uh, Marais trilogy at the top of it. So uh, that, that, in that regard, this is an attraction, right? We want to see what he looks like. This could be interesting. I don't know anything about Mutaba, if if I correctly pronounce it that way. But do you know, Is he? can he fight, Luke? Don't know much about him. Don't know much about him. I'm, I'm, I'm expecting them to give Sage. I mean, dude, if I mean, forget about all the damage to his face. Just the time off alone, I think he would need a soft entry if the guy Muchtaba or Muchtaba, however you pronounce it, if he's overmatched, he's supposed to be like they're they they should give Sage Northcutt not a complete cab driving scrub, but they should give him what I think they've got here, which is you know a fighter with some experience, some ability that Sage Northcutt is just much better than and should be able to dispatch. I think that's very remember, reasonable and fine. Um, remember a couple years ago, I'm not talking about Big Tuna, but Bellator had that guy who worked in the meat locker. Yes. They should get that guy, Luke. I don't know if the weight matches up. Probably not. They should get that guy, though. Yeah, he actually worked at like a Piggly Wiggly or something, which is fine, but like, I'm not sure how much actual training he was doing. You know what I mean? I, th- I big, think he was big, hitting big the carcass Balboa fighter. style, right? Say again? Wasn't he punching the dead carcass Rocky Balboa style? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Bellator announced something kind of interesting, which was they have now agreed to a multi-fight, multi-year contract extension with current Bellator light heavyweight champion Vadim Nemkov. Uh, He will stay in the Bellator family for at least probably a couple more years, potentially longer than that. Uh, BC, great news for Bellator. We've had all this conversation. Jamal Hill obviously did very, very, very well for himself at light heavyweight. But Vadim Nemkov having that great win over Corey Anderson and their rematch really showed that if he's not the best light heavyweight in the world, he certainly deserves consideration among them. That's a good thing for Bellator to hold might. He might be the best. He really might be right now. The run he's on, I know there was... The misstep in the first Anderson fight, which you could almost say to some degree, was he lucky that it ended in a no contest? Or could he have, you know, rallied in those championship rounds? We're not sure. It didn't look like it was going his way that night, though. But, you know, given the second chance, damn, damn, did he, you know, must y'all, y'all must have forgot. It was one of those moments indeed. So uh, pay that man his money. Hopefully that all worked out, Luke. But on top of that, I've already talked about, look, I I think an Anderson rematch could be, you know, could be a, a serious fight down the road. Uh, how about, obviously, uh, I like him against Musasi if if Gegard likes that direction. But do you ever see a scenario in which Nemkov, under the Bellator banner, tries to move up and go after heavyweight? Like, what if Bader knocks out Nemkov's guy, Fedor, on February 4th on CBS? You know, and what if he's like, all right, I've seen this twice and I've seen enough of it. Bader, I'm coming. I'm jizzing. 
I I think you could see it, but not even against Bader. I think it would have to take some time. He's still like he is definitely the best guy in Bellator's light heavyweight division, but that's still somewhat unsettled. He's supposed to fight Yoel. We didn't get that. We still need to see that. Like I think he's just got work ahead of him at 205. But I'm with you that like a move up a weight class, especially given Bellator and like how they're kind of a little bit more liberal with their attitudes in terms of allowing these kinds of things you might see it sooner than you otherwise would i think that's definitely true uh and bc last but not least tell me how much i should care this is the way i would i would question it tell me how much i should care anthony joshua is set to return april 1st no this is not a joke against jermaine franklin jermaine franklin versus anthony joshua april 1 it'll be in the uk i believe bc should i care how much okay if you are under the 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 way of thinking like I am in this moment that Joshua deserves a comeback fight here, a step down on the level of competition because he's only been fighting the best, you know, you know whether mandatory or not for a good stretch now and he's, you know, tried to come back twice from defeats and had mixed results in that regard. I I allow him a step down. This actually isn't that big of a step down, though. That's the thing. If you would ask me a year ago, Luke, I would have told you Jermaine Franklin is an interesting American heavyweight prospect, but I'd yet to see anything big that I can say more, you know, that I see more in him. Like big baby Jared Anderson, I see something, right? This guy, I didn't see that until his last fight. Let's give him the credit. He goes in there against Dillian White. Uh, I had my doubts. Dillian White could have used a, a big win there to try to set up an AJ rematch. And, dude, I thought Franklin, upon rewatching that, probably deserved the decision. White ended up getting a disputed, uh, I think it was a split decision in the end, but it was a competitive fight. Franklin showed that he's on another level. Obviously, there's, we should have a discussion of exactly how much we think Dillian White has left, but that was a great performance. And to get rewarded, even though he lost, if this if this you know re- report is accurate here against AJ, this might be the right test for AJ because... Whatever direction AJ's going now in terms of mindset and strategy, and I don't know if he's keeping Robert Garcia or going with an all-new trainer. I, I haven't followed that part of it that closely, but you know there are internal discussions as we talked about that need to be had about you know are you a boxer, are you a puncher? Based on the matchup, you're gonna have to you know you're gonna have to be different things here. I thought he's he committed too much to his boxing in general, and that's what led to the two Usyk losses. Even though he fought well in spurts and pockets, and and you know against anybody not named Usyk or Fury. I think he he is a good enough and capable enough boxer that he can outbox you and use the boxing to set up his power punches late. But, dude, he's got to figure out what's the best use of his strengths, you know, and the opportunities he has left, which could be big. I like this matchmaking here. I'm okay with it. But don't do you echo me where it's like, step into being a puncher, dude, because in certain matchups, that's exactly who you need to be. Go after it, man. I definitely, especially in this stage of his career where it's like you couldn't beat Usyk, you know, it's not about, maybe it is for him still being the best, but to me it's like I want to see you on, an, and, and this is very easy for you or I to say, yeah, absolutely. but like what would I like to see? I'd like to see a guy who goes like, okay, I can't manage these fights on my way to being the best, and I, I can fight with a riskier style, which means I might get more losses than normal, but I also feel like he can get himself back to a place where, you know, uh, he can let his athleticism and his power do more work than a reserved game plan otherwise could. And you'll get uneven results from that, BC, but you might actually get higher highs, right? You might yeah. get lower lows too, but you might get higher highs. And at the stage he's in, trying to carefully manage a fight through 12 rounds to prove I'm still the best heavyweight, 
seems like a bit of a wasted effort, but I'm sure, you know, he's got a different perspective. And look, anyone could counter what we say and said, well, look, he's had, you know, not chin issues, but uh, per se, but like, you know, you can hurt him. You can hurt him, man. And that, yes. and that can change the, the tenor of the fight like it did in the first Ruiz one. So, um, but, you know, I think he's got to lean on those strengths when it matters. Let's see if, I don't know, let's see who's training him. Let's see his mindset. Let's see what happens here. But if he does come back, remember that he said he'd love to have two to three fights with the second one being Dillian White and the third one being you know, presumably whoever comes out of the Usyk Fury fight. So um, I think Anthony Joshua can still get there, meaning I think he can get back to close this year, either fighting or on the road to be fighting for the undisputed championship and, and be in a spot where we have confidence that, you know, you're not going to favor him against Fury, but you want to have the confidence that he can potentially turn that into a fight and, and have moments and have a shot to win it. I think there's still reality there, Luke, even though, just as easily on the flip side, I could see Fury breaking him down and stopping him. But I do think there's a window here still left for for Joshua to 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 find how great he can be again. Um, I, Dude, that's what Wilder like, did. Wilder in the third yeah. fight, you know, he didn't try to really outbox Tyson Fury. He knew he wasn't gonna, and Tyson Fury tried to outbox him. And of course, Tyson also invited a little bit of risk based on what he was doing. But like, you know, Wilder didn't win. But Wilder put him on his ass, like in a way that, you know, is just pretty fucking remarkable. I think that Joshua is capable of at least that, maybe a little bit more. We'll see. We'll, we'll right. see, man. I love I love this. I mean, it's funny. I heard Max Kellerman on his ESPN show officially say, and he recognized that we don't have a lot of great heavyweight eras in boxing history. You know what I mean? Like there's been great heavyweights, but outside of the 1970s, 1990s, it's really hard to pick one say one stretch and say that's an era. You know what I mean? There was a champion sometimes without two other names you knew that 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 ended up make, you know making their dent in history. But Max believes this Renaissance era that we're in right now, Luke, where at least we have a lot of commercially viable guys who want to fight each other for the combination of combined talent here with Usyk, Joshua, Wilder, and Fury. Not to mention the, you know the secondary names after that. This is becoming one of the greatest eras in heavyweight history. What do you think about that? Uh, I don't. I would like to. <laughs> I'd like to move on. I'd like to keep the show on track, if I may. This is great. All right. great, great discussion. That was great. Yeah, so we don't have to. I mean, we don't have to have that. That's the most important part. We can actually keep the show on a, t on a time budget that we had talked about. All right, BC, with that in mind, let's get to this part. Topic number four. Lauren Murphy. Now, we did talk about this on Monday, namely, like, should the corner have stopped it? And again, there were things that Daniel Cormier had said as part of the broadcast team that her corner didn't necessarily say, but we were just having a discussion, like, should it have been stopped? What are some of the arguments about it? Blah, blah, blah. She responded, BC. Yes, she did. Quote, she wrote a, a tweet about it. She says, uh, all the podcasters and fans screeching about Lauren Murphy needs a new corner and they should throw in the towel. Now, in fairness to us, BC, I don't think you or I called for her to have a new corner. I don't think no, we did that. We didn't. And, uh, and by the way, when she says all the podcasters and fans, it's like, dude, Cormier and Paul Felder and John Anik were the ones who brought them uh, this up. Are you suggesting that they're podcasters? I mean, I guess that's technically true. They are. They all, don't they all host their own podcast? <laughs> yeah, they actually they do, do. But it almost sounds like she's absolving them and like pointing the finger at like media and fans. I could be wrong about that. I don't know, but it just was unclear. Anyway, here's what she argues. Is anyone arguing that Glover Teixeira's corner should have stopped the uh, stopped it? But yes, is the answer, like many people did. I saw him after the fights, and he looked way worse than me. Uh, we haven't seen her, so I don't know if that's true. Both his eyes are closed, and he took a lot of unanswered shots. True. What about when Brian Ortega got a boxing lesson in the middle of a fight against Max Holloway? That fight was stopped after the fourth. Look at Darren Elkins' entire career. It's a fist fight. Sometimes we get beat up. Sometimes it might make you uncomfortable. 
That is your problem. Where were these people when Joanna looked like effing Megamind in her fight with Zhang Wiley? Plenty of people call for that to be stopped. Uh, if they're concerned for safety, why weren't they screaming for her to be pulled? Some were. Competitive or not, shouldn't her safety have come first? Miss me with that double standard BS. And she also goes on to say something kind of interesting, BC, which was that, you know, she's like, I signed up for this. I mean, I have a few responses and I'd like to get yours. But one of the things I want to make clear here is the government regulates this. The government cannot regulate any activity that anyone in theory would consent to. For example, you could not, cons even if people would consent to fighting for the death, fighting to the death, excuse me, the government does not have a compelling interest in regulating or allowing this kind of activity. You can't consent to something like that. It's not really yeah. allowed. So, and that's an exaggerated example that I'm trying to make here, but you get the point. Just because you consent doesn't mean that that consent allows it to be okay. There's a broader discussion about what kind of damage we allow and don't. Your consent to it is relevant only up to a point. But please, your response. Thank you. Um, I'm not too mad at her. I, I don't agree in general, but it seems, Luke, you know, like, you know, the big part of it, she's pouring her heart out, and I don't question her toughness at all. I mean, no, that's not part of this at all. And, you know, you hear, you saw it, and they're saying, I am tough. We, we all think you're tough. That's not the question here. Uh, I don't even think it's necessarily a double standard, too, although I do think it's worth a conversation. Do we... Because the majority of MMA fans would be male compared to female, although there are, there are a lot of female fans. Uh, do we look at when female fighters are in trouble and want to be quicker to to say stop it because you know we're, that that could be you know that you looking that could be my my mother, my daughter, my my wife, my father, you know whatever. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. I just think in this case, Luke, um, based on her comments, like you know she's like, when are you people going to be happy? Is that not enough for you? It's like no, they're never going to be happy. Like they're critics, whether they're fans. Who you know you have to take what the fans fans say to, with a certain grain of salt, especially the aggressive ones. And on the flip side, also media too. I mean, you know, to some degree, Luke, we are filling shows, and 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 I don't, you know, what we say can be constructive criticism if a fighter ever wants to hear it, but should not be something a fighter is using as a uh, something they're fighting against to try to make changes mm -hmm. to show us. So in that regard, I didn't like the spirit of how Lauren wrote that, but it's an emotional response after the fact. I just disagree, Luke. Yeah, I mean, I did, listen, Lauren Murphy is very smart. Uh, I've, you know, I've over the years in covering her career and listening to her speak, I've come away very impressed by the things that she says by and large. And BC, you know this as well as I do. Everything that's gone right in her career, she's earned. Every, every inch of it. There's nothing she's ever gotten that she didn't have to earn the hard way, probably, right? I mean, very much the uh as someone who has cr uh you know carved their own destiny and did it uphill and i have a tremendous amount of respect for her when she says what she says i think she's being honest and i don't think she's necessarily being unthoughtful but fighters keep wanting to do this this is the one thing i'm going to say fighters keep wanting to make this debate about what they want and that what they want is really the ultimate arbiter of what is okay it is not it is not. Now, it is not to say that we don't care what they say. We care what fighters have to say a lot. In fact, of all the people who have voices, theirs might be the most important one. So for that reason, I encourage everyone to look at her full comments, pay attention to what she says. She's not in any way stupid. This is a very bright woman. However, BC, when we talk about rules about health and safety, we have to convince all of the stakeholders, the regulators, the promoters, the fighters, to an extent the fans, to an extent the media, the broader community, those are the ones that largely shape the rules or some of the norms 
that end up creating some of the rules. It is not merely what the fighter either consents to or thinks is acceptable. It, yeah. That is not the ultimate arbiter. And we need to be, I think, fair to fighters. We need to hear them and we need to be uh, pay some deference to them but yeah, not reflexive de deference. Well, they're too close to it. They're too close to the situation, and they're in control of a lot of that situation, but it to me, it's no different. Like when you say, oh, you're a judge. Okay, you, you can't be the judge. You can't preside over the court case involving your nephew, right? You know what I mean? It's like, no, right. you're too close to it. And in this regard, it's like, that's the case. But I think, you know, she, her argument just loses a lot of steam because her fight wasn't competitive at all without the history of finishes like we've talked about. So in that regard, it wasn't a title fight in round five, right? You know, it, it wasn't. So there right. you go. Uh, okay, and by the way, BC, John Hackleman spoke to the MMA Hour uh, talking about the Glover fight. He was in the corner. He said just a couple things very quickly that I thought were interesting. One, he says, quote, I'm a known fight stopper in between rounds. I'm kind of known for that, maybe a little bit too much at times, but I thought this was a good time to stop it. I was outvoted in the corner. Kind of interesting. And then lastly, on Glover's retirement, win or lose, he would have retired, Hackleman said. He's ready. He's done enough. He's proved enough. I will say this. She was asking, like, who was talking about throwing in the towel in their corner? Uh, or, excuse me, who was throwing in the, who, who was talking about stopping the fight or throwing in the towel in the Glover fight? Turns out Glover's corner. Yeah. You know, it turns out Glover's corner. Now, granted, it was a five-round fight, blah, blah, blah. But I didn't hear anything from Lauren's corner, which, you know, as a three-round fight, maybe you don't expect to necessarily. But there were some meaningful differences. And Hack, of course, clear. you know, was there with Glover from the beginning and in, in the camp with Liddell, but isn't his day-to-day -day coach now. And he said he was invited here as more of a ceremonial encouragement role. In fact, he he revealed, as you read that tweet, that or they read the, the quote there, that, you know, Glover said one last ride was the quote. Come, you know, come come join my corner. This will be the last time. So, Luke, that's, look, okay, the stuff about um, him retiring and should have been stopped, uh, it could have been stopped easily after round four, but I think we all saw how close Glover, who got full mount in round five, actually was to potentially winning that fight, which is wild. But, Luke, he win or lose... Glover Teixeira was going to pull the GSP, right? Give the lip service publicly of saying, don't worry, I won't retire. I'll defend it, you know, blah, blah, blah. Our biggest fear entering this fight, Hill Teixeira, as like, you know, the purity of being an MMA fan and respecting rankings and hierarchy is like, is the, is the winner going to look like the best have, light heavyweight in the world or are we going to feel like this is a mess because Blahovich and, and Ankalaev drew and then, you know, we just panicked and went to the next two in line. I mean, who the hell is going to fight next for this, Luke? Darren Till? I mean, where, where are we going with this? Um, we were rescued from that, I believe, by Jamal Hill having just a, such a breakthrough, amazing performance. Um, but, dude, especially if Glover had won this in the dramatic come-from-behind way, Dude, this is right. There's no chance he was. So, look, he would have retired and left the belt right there. What would we have said after that? What would we have? How what would our reaction have been like? Chaos. Chaos. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That would have been, I got to tell you, the UFC dodged a bullet with that one. They dodged a bullet. And I understand Glover. I understand Glover's position completely. Like, if you took that beating and then you came back, you were already thinking about retiring anyway, you get it. Like, anything else after that, you are just courting disaster. You would have to stop. But that's terrible for the division. That's terrible for the UFC. Ooh, they got lucky. They got got really unlucky with Magomed Ankalaev and Jan Blahovich. They got really unlucky with that. But they got very lucky with Jamal Hill. Super they would have lucky. had to go to to go to Glover and be like, "What's the number? What's yeah. the re- seriously? You know, what's seriously that you can build a new academy with this? You can, you know, because like you know what the best part about we're quickly for Connecticut fans about the embedded buildup in the countdown show heading into this fight. We got uh-huh. to see Glover in his backyard. He has like the plunge pool thing, and he's got the hot tub. Luke, he lives in basically like the same house I live in. It's like a you know decent raised ranch. Yes. It's like he's just this regular dude in in a neighborhood there in Greater Danbury, Connecticut. And and we saw that come out in our room service diaries where it's like. We understand you have a superpower of badassery, but outside of that, you're just that dude who can come over and help me fix my lawnmower. Like that's literally him, Luke. That's, so that's Glover. Me- he lives. He lives comfortably, but you wouldn't say he lives extravagantly. You know, I don't he's think just, so. He's just that dude. Yeah, just that dude. Well, I wonder if 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 even he had a price for the million dollar man, Luke. I do wonder that. You know? uh, it's 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 one we'll never know. But but it's certainly something to think about. Um, want to remind folks we're getting closer to the end of the month, and of course you guys know what that means. Almost time to select the Money Lion Hammer of the Month. And, of course, for those who may have missed it, we're going to spotlight uh, undercard fighters who aren't getting the recognition they deserve. So our sponsor, Money Lion, came to us with the Hammer of the Month, which invites you guys, the viewers, to nominate undercard fighters who blew your mind and deserve to be rewarded for it. You have five days left to go vote. So go to MoneyLion.com slash Morning Combat to learn more. You can vote for Umar Nurmagomedov. You can vote for Royman Via, you can vote for, I think, Is or Ishmael, Bonfim, lots of other Je- choices. Jelton Almeida, I think, is in Jelton this consideration, Almeida. Luke. Yep. There was a bunch from the last two UFC fight cards in general that have uh, really made big statements. So um, I'd love to get nominated. I'd love to have such a good show or reaction or segment one day, Luke. Bruno Fajeda also on this list, our producer's telling us that, um, you know, somebody was like, hey, guys, love this money line thing, love the hammer, love all that stuff. Well, BC killed it on that episode. He, you know, he. We may have to get. We may have to get that guy his own hammer. All right. So you know we have to. Like, we have to find ways to give you yet more awards. That's the yeah, problem. Yes. Thank you. Thank you very much. There you go. Like that joke was so dad and lame, but I think BC found it. Found the mark. He killed it. Yeah. yeah you yeah. landed it. You landed the plane. All right, BC. Now it's time for you to land our next segment. Go ahead, my friend. Yeah. Once in a while, we fill time on a Wednesday, Luke. One of my favorite things to do with a you know top relevant topic to the news cycle game. This one called over under where Luke I have 10 numbers for you and you're gonna have to respond to tell me All whether right. my prediction here is over or under Luke Yuri Prohotska remember him the former light heavyweight king told mm-hmm. the MMA hour on Monday that his shoulder is actually recovering better than expected and he believes he can be back fighting quote in July or August or something like that he went on to say I want to be sure that my body works for 200 percent and I think it can be summer of this year wow. Luke 
Seven and a half. That's your over-under. The number of months before we see Yuri Prohatska fight for the light heavyweight title. From this day. From this day. So if it's seven and a half, we're into August or September then, right? So, yeah, I guess the end of August there is, is sort of where I'm targeting. I'll it. take the over. I'll take the over. I appreciate And by the way, delighted to hear that uh, things are going well. Um, certainly, it would be amazing if he could come back that fast. But I will tell you, mm, just skeptical about it. I think he actually will make an expedited timeline in the sense, BC, that it's not going to require a full year off. I don't think it sounds like a full year is just really not at play. Six months for what is what he's talking about is very ambitious. And I just think by the time he gets back and then they book it, it's going to be past the seven and a half month mark. So I'm going to say over. I'll take the over on that. Okay. I, I think you're probably right, but I think it'll be like a day after that, a weekend after that. I mean, he's, he's, yeah, maybe not. I much. think this is the kind of guy that's going to fight. To, to recovery, which some guys just can do that. I don't understand it, Luke. Shoulder injuries are a bitch, that. man. They just take forever to fix. They take forever to fix. Yeah. Uh, did you see the response video from Jamal Hill? We don't. It just came out. We don't have it in time, but he he went out <laughs> yes. to the woods and he was like, you know, that's what she said. And uh, hilarious. Well done there. Uh, sweet not bad, dreams. Not bad. All right, number two here, Luke. Here we go. You may not remember this as you watched UFC 283 with the sound down, as you like to do. But your boy BC, Luke, once again, had one of my tweets air during the live pay-per-view broadcast. Did after it really? Johnny, yeah, after Johnny Walker's TKO in the first round of Paul Craig, which suggests, Luke, that MK's recent hard stance against both domestic slapping and the sporting type of slap might not lead to media banishment after all from Uncle Dana for your boys in the MK. I guess it's a roulette that we'll find out at the end. So uh, I believe we have footage there of my tweet. Um, or maybe somebody's going to lose their job for putting my tweet on the broadcast. Also in play, Luke. Do we have the... We're not going to... Okay, here we go. Uh, the over-under, Luke, is two and a half. Two and a half. The combined amount of times that you or I step foot inside an arena during a live UFC fight card between now and the end of 2024. How many... How many did we step in in the last year? And there's the tweet in mention, Luke, that, you know, me shouting yeah, out the big... Me, me generically shouting out the big Johnny Walker win. By the way, dude, we that's don't... a very... By the way, I got to tell you, that's a very insightful tweet. Really? It's just that's the kind of content you can get at B Campbell. Believe that, you know what I mean? <laughs> whatever, whatever your mom thought sitting next to you, I had the same exact thought. Wow, that's a nice win for for Johnny Walker. Uh, Luke, let me let me put it to you. Like, wait, what are we even talking about here? Oh, uh, we went in 2022. We both showed up in Vegas for International Fight Week, but we actually both. I don't think did I go in the arena? No, I didn't I did. go in the arena. No, we shot HQ from the media tent. No, we neither of us. We were credentialed, but we That's didn't actually right. go to the arena. They actually credentialed us up high, too, that time. They said there was uh, a shortage of uh, availabilities. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Whatever. So, I mean, I'll, between now and 2024, I'll take the under. I'll take the under on that. I, I mean, I think we'll probably... I, 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 the UFC is still sending me all their emails about, like, hey, here's the fight night results, and here's photos for media and stuff, and like, which is the stuff they only send to media. Like, I, Again, dude, I, I just... We might get banned. I mean, who knows? But I tend to think that like Dana got a lot of bad press when you did that to Ariel, and they still have a couple guys on the books that they do that to. Yeah. But I don't think they want to do that with like a CBS employee because it would turn into a bigger story again, and they have to walk it back. 
I think they're just like, they're not going to do me or maybe even you any favors. They'll just but... put us on the roof, probably. Yeah, exactly. Probably the exactly. Yeah. That's the soft way of, of, do, of kicking somebody in the balls. Yeah, you're right, maybe, Luke. Um, and also, we did go to uh, uh, Thanksgiving, or no, no, the November UFC card in uh, MSG. We just didn't go in the building. Again. We didn't even apply for credentials there because we didn't really need it. Um, so Yeah, there you go. All right, number three in our over-under journey, Luke. Uh, Luke Rockhold was also interviewed by Ariel Hawani on Monday and announced... He was free from his UFC contract. He said he actually reached out and asked, and they, they because he has such a great relationship, he says, with Hunter Campbell, they let him go. So at 38 years old, Rockhold has declared himself a combat-free agent and said he's open to feeling offers from boxing or from MMA promoters like PFL, Bellator MMA, and One Championship. He also made a point in saying he still has a great relationship with Scott Coker that, of course, goes back to the Strike Force days. So over-under here is five and a half. If Rockhold did reunite with Scott Coker and came to Bellator MMA, the number of top 10 Bellator MMA middleweights at the moment that you think Luke Rockhold would be favored to beat. We have a graphic we can throw to with the 10, Luke, so you can check it out. Five and a half is your over-under for Luke Rockhold. Okay, he ain't beating Johnny Evelyn, so you can write that one off the list. No, they're just fa- we're talking about betting odds. Favored to win, okay? That's all we're talking fa- about. That's it. So they announced the fight. Who do the oddsmakers have as the fave? Jesus. That's it. Uh, I'll say. I'd actually three, like to see this. Maybe I, three or four at most. I'd, I'd actually like to see him here. Would you? If he, if he still wants to go this route. I know he mentioned boxing and he'd probably be willing to take a celebrity crossover too if it was there, Luke. But if he wanted to be just go into the top 10 here and try to become the Bellator middleweight champion. I think he's got a, he's got, he could have a run in him. Am I crazy? I think, I think he could listen. He is the biggest, like, okay. Musasi has obviously done a lot, but like, who's the most popular name in this group? It would be, if you added Luke Rockhold to it, it would be Luke Rockhold. So for that reason alone, he might be getting acquired and, you know, fight fans know him. And obviously he, as you indicated, he and Scott Coker have worked together under the strike force banner previously. Um, I think he could probably get a title shot, but like, I just don't think he could even come close to beating Johnny Evelyn or anybody. Like, I don't think he could beat Tokov. Dude, I'm I think sure you bring him in. Sol- huh? You bring him in. You put him against Austin Vanderford, which would be an interesting style matchup for him. Yeah, yeah. And then I think if if he wins that, you got Musasi and Evelyn coming up for him. There you go, Luke. Uh, you put him against Tokov, he doesn't win. Tokov no. beats him easily. Tokov might win the title. Let's give him that right. credit February right. 4th against right. Johnny right. Evelyn. I mean, right. he's so a Tokov is, guy. is a fucking hammer. Yeah, um, he's built like a brick shit house, Luke. And Dalton Rasta too looks like goddamn Hercules out there. So, uh, I think I think he could be an interesting addition, but or maybe you put him in there with Lorenz Larkin, who's a middleweight these days, Luke. But Lorenz Larkin was fast, dude, and he would light him up. You know, I don't know about that one either. I, no, uh, I'm saying it'd be a good fight. It'd be a good fight. Oh, it'd be a fun fight. I mean, here's the thing. It's like, dude, how? I mean, they were at altitude, right? In his last contest at Paul, against Paulo Costa, you know. So, like, who knows how much that contributed to it? But he looked. He didn't look like himself. He didn't look like himself. He didn't look like like. Okay. He yeah, didn't but look like he's something. You'd ha- okay, I, I don't want to overplay this, but would you agree that something awakened in him during that fight, which led to the the violent outbursts of big punches and, you know, being crazy yes. with the blood and stuff? But, like, I feel like that sh- that reminded him that he can still do this and that he could fight back and that it's in him. I, I don't know. something. I feel like something happened there. I think we watched I, the I, transaction. I, 
I think he's, you know, listen, he's a former UFC champion. He's a former Strike Force champion. He's only 38 years old. I He's taken some damage that I think has messed him up, but you can't say he couldn't beat some of those guys. And I think for that reason, if he wanted to, um, that could be a great opportunity for him. All right. Over under number four here, Luke, it's just 12 days until you and I hop on a plane, not together, but we hop separately across the Atlantic and we land in London for Wednesday, February 8th, the Pod Live Festival, our 90-minute live show. So, 12 days from now when you get on that plane, Luke, over under 850, the amount of milligrams of THC that will be in your body upon takeoff for the seven-hour flight. Oh, 850 is a lot. Okay. Yeah, it is. Um, That's a big flight, though, dude. That's going to be like rows of like three, four, four, and three. It's going to be like one of those movie planes, right? Those like yeah. big ass ones. Well, so I pay. I paid for my own upgrade. Now I didn't get first class because I can't afford that. But I got what they call. What do they call it? Premium economy. Yeah, I've had it? that before too. That's that's basically first class. It's like the same thing. Yeah, I mean, it gives you more leg room, you more recline room, and I think some of them have like instead of like everyone's got four to a seat or like three to a to a row, the rows are only two. So yeah, it's pretty yeah. nice. Um, even eight fifty is too much. I think six is pro six hundred is probably do that. I mean, you can't get if you that's can't get punch, across an eight right hour hand. flight with six hundred milligrams of THC gummies. Something's wrong with you. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just didn't know if you just were like, knock me out. I'm ready, doctor. Just you know, let's go. Let's let's get. Dude, there. it's like here. You could you could have if someone gave you eight hundred and fifty milligrams. It's like you and your four favorite horses could all get high off of yeah, that. I mean, that's an insane amount. Yeah, she Biscuit would love that shit. <laughs> There's no question about it. Yeah. All right, number five, uh, Adrian Broner. You know, I has never a, saw that movie. I never saw Sea Biscuit. It's, it's inspiring to a. Wasn't you know, it nominated a for an Oscar? On a Disney, I don't think so. no, not a, for best picture. Get the. I'm that pretty sure Sea Biscuit was nominated. Let me our check our intrepid producers can look that up quickly. All right, uh, Adrian Broner has another problem, Luke, surrounding his. Pun intended, surrounding his February 25th return on BLK Prime pay-per-view. Luke, are you even listening to me? Yes, I'm listening. Yes, I'm listening. Yeah. Uh, Broner's replacement opponent, 39-year-old journeyman Hank Lundy, was removed by the California State Athletic Commission. Turns out he's under medical suspension. So AB will now face Michael Williams Jr., an unheralded 20-1 fringe welterweight who was dropped six times in his ESPN close-up in December of 2021 in a fourth-round knockout loss to prospect John Bauza. This will mark just the second time in four years before uh, that that AB will will fight. Uh, Luke, it was nominated for Best Picture. I can't believe it. It was nominated this. for a lot more than that. I'll get to it in the end, but go ahead and ask See, Oh, Broner. my God. All right. So Broner's this just be a second fight in four years. So, Luke, you're, and he's going to fight somebody you never heard of, and it's going to be on pay-per-view, BLK Prime. Uh, two and a half, the amount of televised pro fights that 33-year-old Adrian Broner will, will have before retiring for good. Now, How when much, you say televised, what do you mean? I mean, not like, you know, hard up on money and he's, you know, 45 years old and he's fighting, you know, down the street just to uh, off of his name just to keep things going. I mean, like, you know, Showtime or pay-per-view or... Okay. You know, whatever, DAZN, ESPN, whatever that level of stuff. Okay, um, I'll take the over. I'll take the over. Uh, you add this one, that means you'd only have to get two more. I think he's probably got a couple more in him, especially if he looks good in this one. Which you know, who the hell knows if he will? He might look terrible, but if he looks okay and he's still got some name, dude, he, look, there's still a little bit of name value in beating Adrian Broner. 
There is, you know, um, you could s- highly debate what that is. And it's certainly not what it once was, but it's not utterly bereft of value. And I think for that reason, you might get them a little bit more. It's so hard to get this guy motivated, though. Like it took a lot of money from BL- BLK Prime to get him to want to do this. So I, I have questions, but I hope I hope uh, for his. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I hope it did. Whatever is safer for him, Luke. You know what I mean? He's been in so much mayhem yeah. all the time i just want him to get into a good place in life whatever that yeah. means you know? i agree with you on that i agree uh bc for seabiscuit ready for this nominated Dude, i for... can't believe i this got about nominated for best picture Are you kidding me Be- how, oh ready for this how about this nominated best picture nominated best writing adapted screenplay nominated these are all academy awards nominated best art direction nominated best cinematography nominated best costume design nominated best film editing nominated Best sound mixing. It was nominated for all of those for the 76th annual Academy Award. All right. I remember seeing it on uh, probably Netflix in the mail or whatever year that was that it came out going, hey, man, that was a pretty damn good inspirational Disney sports movie. I don't remember going like, oh, that'll be up for the Oscar. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Dude, What's wrong a with movie this? about a horse with some big ass teeth racing around a track. Got all of that. How about that? There you go. There you go. All right, Luke. Uh, I take the L. I was dead wrong. Number six on the over-under, UFC President Dana White has appeared in front of the media just twice since the New Year's Eve domestic violence incident in Mexico. Although much of his explanation and reaction afterwards, to be fair, has been rightfully criticized. Um, White has been about as humble and self-reflective as we've ever seen him. He hasn't argued with anybody publicly or taken shots at anybody, even as the Power Slap League has been universally maligned. So, Luke, my over-under is five. The number of months before Dana White publicly criticizes the scumbag MMA media again or blames them for Power Slap's inevitable dissolution. Under. Take the under on that one. Easy. Easy. Do you really believe he's going to say that the, the slap league failed because of something he did? I all just, right. that doesn't seem at For all. For a bonus point, which media member is going to be in the crosshairs when he breaks this, this, uh, this silence? That's an interesting one because I don't, because here's the funny part about the fighters, the discovery channel one that he did. It wasn't panned by the MMA media. It was mostly ignored. And I think a couple of folks good. saw it was like, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's it good. pretty good. Yeah. But, they, you know, Discovery just didn't have an interest in it at that time, and they pulled the plug and didn't do great viewership. This one, like, oh, there's been a lot of the MMA media that have come out and been like, dude, what in the fuck is all of this? Um, you or me are always a good candidate. Ariel's a good candidate, you know. Uh, but, dude, it wasn't just them. Like, Jesus, anyone with a podcast did it. Mike Heck went after him, I know, you know. Um, I know Jed Mashu's gone after him. Just been uh, the spinning back click guys had a lot to say about it too. Like, there's been a lot of people, so he might just you might just do what he did before, which was just you know spray the block on his drive by <laughs> on the COVID drive by. Remember that he was just spraying the block. Yeah. Grandmas were getting hit. He didn't care. Oh yeah, you know? oh yeah. There was some people. I still to this day strange. can't figure out how I avoided being in that video. It really is. Luke, he's not even. On, you're not even on his hate radar. You should be happy with that, right? I guess so, but I find it weird. I find it weird, you know, that like of all the people he went after, he didn't even use me once. Are you like, trying to like, like very subtly, uh, like hype yourself up as like he knows better? He saw what I he saw what happens when Chael no, tried. No, no, he no, no, knows no, no. Like better. He, I, I don't think Dana is in any way intimidated by any of us. No, it's not that. It's more like it seems like stri- like strategic to deny it. Um, like. 
he thought he was doing something against me in that way, maybe, right? Like I'll stick it to him by not giving him attention or something kind of like that. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, let's keep this going, Luke, since, you know, we weren't, we weren't able to talk about good stuff before. Why should we continue here? Uh, the pound for pound King hey, Alexander, Alexander Volkanovsky is just under three weeks away from daring to be great. Lightweight title, Mahachev, UFC 284 in Perth. Can't wait. Three and a half. The combined number of featherweight fights remaining for Volkanovsky under the UFC banner. I'll take the under no matter what. So obviously if he wins against um, Makachev, he almost certainly drops. One of them in all likelihood he'll drop. I mean, if you can beat Islam Makachev, why would you not stay at 155? Right? Unless you like, took unless you took hella damage, right? Yes, and, yes. Unless it's some kind of like, you know, horrible, I never want to experience that again. But um, you know, Makachev isn't like heavy with the punishment that way. It would be, require something kind of special. Um, so if you can beat Islam Makachev, just stay at fucking 155 at that point. What I would say is, um, even if he goes back down, how old is old Volkanovsky? He's like, I would guess 34. That's my I think guess. he's right at 34. It could be 33, but he's close to that. Um, Eve, so you think about uh, three and a half more. If you take the over, that's four. That's maybe two more years. I, I think by 35, he's doing something else or somewhere else or up a weight class or something like that. Um, I'll take the under. I'll take All the right. under. That was an easy one for you, Luke. Here we go. Number eight. While the original idea of PFL uh, launching their new Supervite pay-per-view division was centered around Kayla Harrison and, you know, the hope of Cyborg, Kayla's no longer the women's lightweight champion. Not to mention PFL also recently signed Jake Paul to a two-fight MMA deal and could be potentially in the running for free agents like Francis Ngannou or Nate Diaz. So the over-under here is four. The number of PFL pay-per-view cards... Over the next two years, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Mm. I'll take the fuck. I'll take the over. Whoa. I'll take the over. I think that they're gonna try. You know, so are you count. So we're, since they did a pay per view for the championship night. Yeah. In, in 22, you think they'll do that. So that'll be two of them, right? Yes. So like, I mean, here's the thing. The Jake Paul thing alone, you know, gives me reason to think that that will get them at four bare minimum. So yeah. all they would have to have is one more than that over the course of two years. Yeah. I think they probably, it, it, listen, here's my actual answer. My actual answer is it probably is just going to be right at four. It won't be any more or less. But if I had to make a choice, do I think they hit four or more? Yes, I would say that. I would say that they do. Interesting. There's the potential, especially if they got Ngannou. God, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah that's, think... they get, okay, okay, to your point, they've already got Jake, right? If they get Nate or Francis, it's going to be more than four. Well, right? look, there's been, there's been some reporting, I think, from Dan Rayfield that ESPN is looking like they're probably going to get the Jake Paul Tommy Fury fight if that if that pay per view yep. is is happening like it says in February. Yep. Do you think that's a big story that ESPN is like going all in here between PFL and now this to to keep the you know to bring the Jake circus and under that wrap? I mean, we, we had it here at Showtime. It was fun. Like, that's a that's going to be a pay per view fight or like it's going to be an ESPN Plus not pay per view. No, I think it's a pay per view fight. Yeah, a pay per view fight. Um, that is interesting. That is interesting. You know, because uh, I don't think my understanding is, and again, I don't speak for Showtime here. My understanding is the Showtime and Jake's team get along well. They might work together yeah. in the future. Like they may, I don't know if they're going to work together. Obviously, they're not working together right away, or maybe after this PFL deal is done. But like, 
my understanding was they just wanted to go and fight uh, with people who had directly the kinds of things they were looking for at that particular moment, which may or may not have been Showtime. Fine, you know, go do what you want. Um, but that, dude, can ES, let me ask a question. Can ESPN make money on an afternoon pay-per-view with Jake Paul? I don't know. I, I don't I know don't about know that. that. That's a weird one, right? Yeah, that's that's it's it's interesting. Um, I don't know what the future there is, and I know that people watching on this show don't want us to continue to talk about it. Look, let's go to number nine. Forty-five year old, forty-five year old Floyd Mayweather has announced yet another boxing exhibition. This time, Jordy Shore, reality TV star and former MMA fighter Aaron well, Chalmers, Bellator veteran. Bellator veteran. It's going to be February 25th in London. The original opponent, Liam Harrison, the Muay Thai fighter, pulled out. So, Luke, you're over under here is 1.3 million. The amount of buys that a Floyd Mayweather versus Nate Diaz real boxing match would sell if done under Showtime pay-per-view, which has the history with Floyd and has more reach than, I guess, you know, if they went under the Risen banner, would it have the same distribution i don't think so so let's just say it let's say at 45 floyd goes i got one more in me and let's say he doesn't fear nate i don't know if floyd even would ever want to do this again but could that move 1.3 million pay-per-view buys i would take the under but not by much like do i really think that could sell 1.4 1.5 i am skeptical but do i think it could sell eight nine one 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 around that Yes, yes, I do. I think it would be enormously successful. I think you'd have a million pay-per-view buys, probably definitely within the very much in the realm of possibility. But 1.4, 1.5 seems high. That's Okay, that's what, if, high. what if they announce a three-day press tour and the first stop, Nate slaps Floyd in the, like Stockton slaps him in the uh, face-off at the end of it. And like the and teams like, fight each other and you're like, oh my God. Um, I guess, I guess one, four, one, five is on the table, but it would be difficult. I I, don't get me wrong. Like they would make money. It would do well. I just, you know, anything above a million is that's all you're asking a lot. That's a lot. And is, is Floyd shameless at this point or no? Oh yeah. This is what dude. he's fighting reality. TV. This is what all of our heroes did though. All the boxing greats did the same thing. Pro wrestling. They did all this stuff. You know what I'm saying? It's what they do. Listen, Floyd's using what's left of his athleticism in his name to get the biggest checks possible. That's his fucking right. You know? And like we talked about it before, if you don't like it, don't, don't watch, but it's actually regulated boxing. It's not some bullshit, you know, jackass stunt. He's doing (laughs) something he's good at. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's, it does. It doesn't interest me at all. But you know what you're getting into if you buy it. So, all right. Uh, finally, Luke, on over under the return uh, at 110,000 views, our Glover Teixeira episode of the revamped Room Service Diaries interview series is the highest rated one of the 12 episodes we've filmed so far. That's 110,000 views. Your over under though is 900,000. The total number of views that a John Jones Room Service Diaries episode would produce if recorded ahead of his March comeback. We could, we, we would pass 900K, I'm certain. So I thought that instantly, but I looked it up. When 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 Ariel walked around Albuquerque with John many years ago, which was a big deal, that was like 1.1 million views. And then what, the last time Ariel had John on his show, which was like four years ago, it did, I think, 800 in that area. Yeah, but like... Listen, I, I don't imagine myself to be that important, but John and I have a little bit of history. 
Uh, and then listen, if we got that, I would go into it being like, I understand very fully. This is the last time I'm going to talk to this person. Right. <laughs> Do you understand very furiously? You could get a, <laughs> a, a guillotine. You could fall into a guillotine loop pretty quickly. He could, he could beat the shit out of me. Right. Like he'd beat the shit out of both of us probably at the same time. Uh, you know, if you wanted to, but I would treat that interview very much like this is the last time I'm going to talk to him. So fuck it. Let's just do what we want to do. You know? Yeah. I'd also like I, to have fun with him or you would, you would not open yourself up to having fun with him though. I know that. I know I, that. I'm not interested in having fun with him. No. All right. Then maybe, maybe this is a bad idea, but you think it goes over a million. You're like, oh yeah. Oh, oh, oh yeah. I think, oh, yeah. I think if you matched, if I think if you matched my energy, bro, we had the same vibes. Yeah. We could do it. What if I? What if we? What if we? We bombarded John and turned it into a live high court episode, and we were debating each other, Luke, and I. That would be great, you know. And John and John realizes I'm a sympathizer of him, and then you know him and I attack you. That'd be wonderful. Uh, that's that's always your dream. Your dream is to have a famous fighter on, so the two of you could gang up on me. That's really yeah, been I, a lifelong pursuit of yours. I've noticed. It's a podcast gang. No, gang. gang no, podcast no. gangbang. Is that what no, that is? No, we shouldn't go there. We shouldn't go there. All right. Hey, no, that that's your over under for the week. No fan subs. Apparently, Mikey says we only got a couple great ones. Okay, so let me, to... let me let me. We we should tell the audience this. So it's not like we're not getting fan subs. We are guys. You have our ladies. You have to make the fan subs playable to the public. Okay. So if your fan subs involve violence, misogyny, <laughs> uh, murder, rape, torture, uh, racism, yeah, or let's not you know, do that. We can't fucking use it, man. Yeah. We can't use it. So there's like a whole the cutting dude, the cutting room floor. BC, you've it's, seen the cutting room floor. It's, of the fan it's wild, dude. Mikey will text us these, and I'll just be like, "Wow!" I'll be like, "What wow, the dude. fuck is that?" You know? Uh, please stop! Please stop doing that. We can't air them if you don't make them palatable. They have to be palatable to the public. Yeah, so we take enough risks during. Have you seen this shit? I mean, come on, you know? Please. Yeah, exactly. Uh, hey, right, let's well, remind everyone. It. Let's remind everyone. We want to be both palatable and risky at the same time. You can catch that live in attendance, February eighth. It'll be BC, LT, DH. Dan Hardy's going to be there as well. Maybe some other folks will see. February 8th, King's Place in London. Get your tickets now. We're in the home stretch of tickets. This is it. Time to get them now. Please, please, please do that if you are so inclined. We'd love to have you there. One-time deal. It's grand opening, grand closing. Come see us. Uh, BC, Showtime is the label that pays. for. You can go to Showtime.com, get a 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can bounce. Uh, morningcombat at gmail.com for, uh, let's see, Friday's Dead Wrong in BC. Are we putting the resume review out tomorrow? Is that tomorrow or next week? I, dude, I, we should put it out tomorrow, can we? I, be, I believe, uh, yes, yes, 11 a.m. Wow. 11 a.m. tomorrow. So 11 a.m. in the east tomorrow, we're going to yeah. have our Fedor Emelianenko resume review. It's I'm told it's it came out after editing quite good. Um, and I wanted to, I can't wait. If Fe, you just announced it, Fedor. Let's do it. This is, I mean, it's freaking Fedor, right? We're going to be talking Pride. Pride's greatest hits, basically. Okay, let's check basically. in and check that out. Yeah. Um, also, Luke, we would be remiss if we had mentioned morningcombat.store because not only do we have great merch there, RJ uh, Ballbagger there, the, uh, the, uh, the, the, <laughs> The, the uh, merch maven there. Uh, Luke, he also has three new shirts, including a brand, brand new one today, UK related. So MK in the UK, as we know, February 8th is going to be a thing. It's going to be a big thing, but you can also be outfitted in, in merch that celebrates our arrival 
And this is like the this is like the British invasion in reverse, Luke. Okay, right now this is great. Uh, we're coming. We're I'm coming. We're. I can't yeah. wait to see how many people tell me it's football, not soccer. Like I give a fuck. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. I hope they show up and be like, Luke, you you disrespected our cuisine here. I made this for you, Luke. It's it's filled with pot. You know, it's great though. It's good. Listen, yeah. it's, some guy also ejaculated in his land Jaeger and didn't tell me. You know, I I might eat it at the hotel later. Who's to say? You know, I don't know. Ooh. By the way, instead of like, you know how I was calling Yuri like Yizzy or Yeezy? Yeah, you did, you've he, done a lot that, of ridiculous pronunciation moves. Yeah, lately. I, was, I mean, you're I'm off. I'm you're just, off you know, the just wall. completely fumbling in the dark. I I understand that. I I get it. But now that he did the I am coming video, can we just call him Jizzy? We just, you know, we just get right to the point. Yeah, old Jizzy? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know no. if that's my thing. It doesn't yeah. work? I don't uh, think that's my thing, no. All right, all right. Well, we can leave that one for, again, cutting room floor. You see there? Should have left that one I'm going to pee my pants, Luke. You want to you 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 land this thing? I mean, Let's land this plane. All right, that's BC. I'm LT. We'll be back on Friday. We'll talk more. By the way, uh, Artur Baterbia fight against Anthony Yard. We're going to preview with that on Friday, so join us for that. And uh, for Malka, for Showtime, for CBS Sports, and everyone else involved, uh, we're out of here. Until next time, may all of your gains be loyal. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.